welcome to the second series of Founder Chats, the podcast from Be Purple, the University of Brighton's entrepreneurship support service. In our first series, we talked mostly about the early stages of startup, and I interviewed eight diverse businesses to get their tips and advice on starting up. In series two, we look at what happens once your business is up and running, and we look to the experiences of entrepreneurs behind some well-established businesses. In this episode, I talk to Kerry Watkins of Social Brighton. Social Brighton is a social media training and consultancy business that Kerry went full-time with as a founder in 2014. She now has a team of six helping her deliver training, create content and manage clients. Kerry tells us about her early days starting Social Brighton, but also goes on to talk about how she expanded and what she's learned as an entrepreneur. She also gives us an up-to-date summary on what businesses should be doing now with their social media, including tips on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. Kerry, do you want to start by telling us about Social Brighton, like what it is, when it was founded, uh, how many people were involved, uh, a bit of a history to date of Social sure. Brighton? Sure. So Social Brighton has been around since 2010, so eight and a half years now. It started off just as me and an idea and a blog, um, and now we're a team of five, um, which we've grown a lot in the last year. But when it started, I was still working full time in my old career, Mm -hmm. the first career in hospitality management. So I was an operations manager and I oversaw groups of bars and nightclubs and digital marketing kind of boomed, Facebook became massive, well not as massive as it is now obviously, but it kind of changed the marketing landscape and it's something I got really, really interested in in my role, mainly because it was saving us, it could save us a lot of money if we use more digital marketing than print marketing. And our audience of young people were the people that were first using Facebook. So I got more and more interested in social media and realised that a lot of digital agencies were kind of tacking on social media as like another bullet point to their services, but a lot of people I was speaking to, so they weren't really happy with what they were getting, and they were being charged a lot of money for a few Facebook posts per week, and I just thought this is not fair. Um, So I felt quite passionately about helping smaller local businesses at first, Like, like I can help you to do this yourself, I get this, and it takes a different approach to communication. This is not advertising. This is about communicating with people. There's a big opportunity here for kind of two-way conversation. So I just started training local small businesses. It started off, you know, 50 quid and a glass of wine in a cafe. And, you know, now, as I said, now we've got a a team of five. But it was about four and a half years ago that I quit my old career completely. And I'd been building up kind of clients and bits and bobs here and there with Social Bryson. And then I realised all my passion and my job satisfaction is coming from the social media training and consultancy side of things. And actually the career I'd spent 15, 20 years working in, I kind of lost interest in a little bit. I could continue to do it because I knew what I was doing and I was very successful. I earned good money. So then I took the leap to not earn good money and kind of risk it on my own doing social media. and it's, yeah, it's, it's gone really well since then, really. Um, about a year and a half ago, it was still just me. And I decided to take that risky first step and start growing the team and actually think, well, this is, this is working now as a business. Um, so yeah, let's, let's conquer the world. Let's get bigger clients. Let's do some more interesting projects. And yeah, that's how we've got to where we are now. 
Okay. And what about just filling us in a little bit before you started? I know you mentioned that you were in uh, the, the role that you were in before you, you know, um, in the entertainment events and entertainment. Yeah, bars, nightlife, restaurants, nightclubs. Yeah, live music, DJs. Okay. That whole fun side of things. Okay. Um, what about going back to obviously a lot of our listeners are students and graduates take us back to sort of well, I know you, you did go to university because we spoke about yes. it early, earlier <laughs> and you went to the University of Brighton which is fantastic yes uh, so tell us about what you studied and kind of like a potted history of your, of your career from leaving sure so I studied A-level media studies film studies art and maths didn't really know what I wanted to do hence the variety of kind of topics there and saw the information and media degree at Brighton Uni thought that sounds really fun media studies was sort of really new thing even though as we were saying earlier there's no such thing as social media then mm -hmm. um, so moved to Brighton got a 2-1 in my degree still didn't really know what I wanted to do um, a lot of my peers had gone off to work in either journalism TV radio but I wasn't really sure so I just stayed around in Brighton loving the city having some fun and went full-time in the bar that I was working at and just thought, let's just kind of hang out in Brighton and see if something comes to mind, see if I can work out what I want to do. Um, but then very quickly was promoted to a supervisor and then an assistant manager. And then within a couple of years, I was running my own bar. And then I was getting trained up to be a training manager. So I, was wor I worked for a larger company and I would travel around the UK training new general managers how to run their bar, I would do holiday relief. Um, so I kind of, you know, a lot of people say this, they, they didn't really know what they wanted to do and then they wake up 10 years later and go, okay, so I'm this now and that's kind of what happened to me. And I worked for a few different companies, bigger corporates, smaller independents, but it was always in the hospitality industry. Um, but that's, that gave me such a good uh, grounding for running my own business so, you know, I don't regret anything. I don't regret not kind of finding my career in media initially because what I learned through running bars and nightclubs and then becoming an area manager and eventually an operations director was that I knew how to run a business. I knew how to run multiple businesses. I understood the financial side of things. I understood the, the legislation side of things, uh, the people management, the HR, the marketing strategy. Because as an ops manager, you're a, a bit of everything. So it was actually through that kind of 15-year career of what started off as a bit of fun and, a, you know, it's good to get a few free pints after work that actually led to, oh, I actually know how to run a really big business now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Excellent. Okay, that's your bio done. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, I'm sure that it was a big challenge in, in setting up Social Brighton. What would you say was sort of the biggest challenge, perhaps something you weren't necessarily expecting um, despite your experience you know, in business before that, what was the biggest challenge in, that you faced and how have you overcome that challenge? I think the biggest challenge was realising one day I am so busy, I'm becoming really tired, a bit burnt out, a bit overwhelmed because I would just say yes to everything. Because when I took that leap from a well-paid senior role with the reliable salary payment every month, I just thought, well, I just, you know, I've got a couple of months to make this work before I then have to go back and find another ops director role. So um, the, the big challenge was actually after a couple of years of saying yes to everything and doing every project that came my way, I realised I was kind of close to breaking point and either had to go, okay, well, stop trying to do everything, stop trying to get busier. Maybe you're just, you, 
uh, kind of take on less work and have that work-life balance that you were hoping for, um, or you decide to grow the business and take on staff. And so the biggest challenge was kind of working out that, yes, I did like the idea of having a team, because it can be quite lonely just working as a, a freelancer. Um, albeit I did do lots of training, so I'd meet new people all the time, but it was still just me at the end of the day. Um, and it was challenging to kind of work out how to do that because I'd never borrowed any money, I'd never gone into debt, I'd never taken investment at that point, it just, the business kind of paid its way. Um, and it was, I overcame that by joining a business accelerator program uh, that's run by NatWest, it was called Entrepreneurial Spark in Brighton. And that was, I was only there for six months, but that gave me the confidence to, I think it's being surrounded by other entrepreneurs, to go, actually, I've got a business that is already up and running and it's been making profit since day one. And a lot of people here are still starting out. And I was basically got the confidence to take a risk, take somebody else on, reduce my own workload, to give myself the time and headspace to grow the business and think more strategically. Um, and I managed to do that through an internship so I didn't have the financial outlay initially because it was covered and said to the young chap that applied, you know, I'd love this to turn into a full time job. But between us, we need to generate more business because I've got to pay you now as well as me. Mm -hmm. And that was only last January that he started. Okay. Um, and it worked. And that's that was the first massive challenge. And I now feel a lot more confident about, well, I know if I take someone else on, I know I'll be able to pay them because work kind of keeps coming in. Mm. But that was a steep learning curve, just that first member of staff. Um, but I feel, yeah, I've broken that, broken that now. Right. So you mentioned a few things that you do there. You, you said at the start about your consultancies, you know, starting off in a cafe weather with a glass of wine or whatever, <laughs> yeah. or a cup of tea. Um, I still like doing that, by the way. Probably a bit more than 50 quid nowadays. Yes. Uh, but it'd be interesting to know a bit more about your business model. Like, how yeah. do you make money as a business? So we have a few different revenue streams and it has changed a lot over the years. So it initially was around private training. So a tailored training session based on what a business needed in terms of social media. It wasn't about the practicalities of creating a page and doing a post. It was more about the strategic approach. How are we going to find your customers? That kind of thing. Um, but the revenue that comes with that, it's very up and down. Um, it's not, it wasn't retainer work. And the kind of work that we do now is split, it's about 55% retainer work. And that's split between managing social for people and managing Facebook and Instagram advertising for them. And that's a part of the business that we've developed so that it gives us the financial stability to grow the team. And I know that we've got that income coming every month. And we've worked with some of our retainer clients for, well, since the beginning, since I started doing this like right. on my own four years ago. Um, so that's about half of the income. And then the other uh, is about 30% that comes through training courses. So we do public courses for smaller businesses in Brighton and Hove. And yeah. I do a lot of private training still for larger organizations. Okay. And then the final 15%, if I've worked that out right, um, is through consultancy. So I have some clients where I'll catch up with them every month. Um, and it's just an ongoing relationship of kind of advice and support. Right. So uh, yeah, it's a lot more varied than it was initially. Um, and the, the Facebook and Instagram advertising side of things was something I didn't expect to be doing a lot of, but because of how the social landscape changes so quickly, mm. in the last six months, that's kind of taken over everything else and we'll work on like really big global projects mm. 
that are very lucrative but also really enjoyable and really satisfying as well mm. and that first um, the intern Callum that started with me in January is now our advertising specialists right. and he is his entire day is filled up with working on these campaigns which he loves I'm not making him do it against <laughs> as well uh, yeah because we can see the value that we can give to organizations through that so okay yeah okay. and what kind of clients um, use your services for posting for basically managing their social media what, what are they are there sort of a profile of that type of client typically not really that's something that I didn't really set out to do I really wanted to help people manage social themselves and not feel the need to outsource it so I always felt a little bit uneasy about saying actually we can manage social for you so there isn't really a profile of client or a specific sector but it's businesses that we've come into contact with or have approached us and actually said, training isn't gonna work for us, either because we, we just don't have the skills, we're not interested, or we don't have the time, or we've got a quite a high staff turnover, so actually we don't wanna keep investing in training, so we'd really like you to do it for us. So it's only through those kind of specific situations, and if we can see, actually, yeah, we can really add value and help you grow your business through managing social, then we take it on, Right. Um, okay. if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting. We have a lot of B purplers, people starting out with their businesses who, well, I say it a lot, we have some that know that they should be using social media for marketing, but just don't like it mm. very much and don't know that they're not going to get around to doing it properly. And so. if you don't enjoy it and the thought of it just feels like a horrible mm. chore, then it's not the best thing for you to do if, that's, if you're starting your own business. You kind of have to at the beginning, but it's probably one of the first things that you'll try and get someone to help you with. Mm -hmm. yeah. So how do you get clients? How do you market yourselves? So we've, we've been really lucky, actually. We've never done any outbound sales. Um, we're going to start soon because I'm getting more ambitious and you know, want to do more. But our business comes through a variety of sources. There's social media, obviously, because we're pretty... Uh, we, we really believe in the power of social, obviously. So we do a lot of social media marketing or comms. And we have our website, so we, we've invested a little bit in SEO so that people discover us. Um, we use Eventbrite for our courses, and that brings people along to the courses as well. Are you just searching on Eventbrite for local training? Some people are searching on Eventbrite, some people are searching on Google, some people search within the Chamber of Commerce, because we're a member of the Brighton Hope Chamber. Yeah. Um, I do bite-sized training courses um, a few times every year for the Chamber of Commerce, so they're kind of little two-hour tasters of our courses. Um, uh, we do newsletter marketing via MailChimp, um, and we co-work at Platform, which you may have heard of in Brighton. Yep. We're in the Hove Town Hall building, but there you're surrounded by businesses and entrepreneurs. So it's, I think it's been hard, hard work or commitment to being, to networking, to publishing on social, to letting people see what you do mm. over the years that we're now reaping the rewards of that for the last kind of 12 to 18 months mm. because our customer journey is quite long. Social media is never an urgent thing that you have to deal with that day. So somebody might think, I really need to sort out our social. I need, really need to get someone to help me put a strategy together or to work out what I'm doing with Facebook ads but sometimes it can be up to a year mm. before they actually get round to doing that. So we're getting some business at the moment from an event that I spoke at in May or June last year. Mm -hmm. So we have to kind of trust in everything we're doing. People are aware of us, they know what we do, and that's really worked. Yeah. 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 
Um, just as you mentioned platform there, have you seen, because I know that, again for a lot of our uh, service users, paying money to have an office is obviously an expense that they could do without, but have you, do you, what's your view on the sort of the value from a networking point of view and just uh, any other value that you can have of, of being yeah. in a, a space where there are other entrepreneurs? I find it incredibly valuable. So yes, you as when you're starting up and it's just you, you're trying to save as much money as possible. So you're often working from home. What I found, and I know many others have found, that if you, when you get really, really busy, if you're working from home and you don't have a separate space, you know, if you don't have the luxury of that second or third bedroom to turn into an office, which I didn't, mm-hmm. then you, I started to resent my own flat. So I can't enjoy my own living room because I've been working at the dining table all day. And that made me feel less productive, less motivated, and I needed to get out to separate my kind of work and home life. So that was one thing, and actually when you're feeling more productive and inspired to go to work, you work better and you'll reap the results. The second bonus of working at Platform is that you you just meet loads of other people. Sometimes they're just entrepreneurs on their own, sometimes they're part of a much larger business. And I haven't done the maths, but I bet that a lot of what I pay to work at Platform has come back through business. Right. Um, so it's it, m- it definitely makes sense for us. But then we're lucky because we can help any business. We're not specialising in a particular sector. Yeah. We specialise in helping people get put a tailored social media strategy together. So um, yeah, so it's been great for us. And we run the training courses there as well. So I think for any students or alumni starting their own business to seriously consider co-working and kind of put themselves out there, even on a you know a low cost flexible contract because I think it can be good for your, your motivation and networking. Mm-hmm. Okay. You mentioned your intern, Callum, and it was Callum, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, and yes. getting started with him. Um, any sort of other experiences or tips you can share around connecting with people, hiring staff, t- building your team, and how to find the right people? Yes, well I was lucky that I had some experience of that in my previous job, but the tips I would give is to hire for personality over skill obviously you don't want to hire someone that's that's useless but when you're a small business the culture that you have is really important and with the team that I've grown we all get on really well so I think when you're at that interview stage and, and sussing out other people to potentially join your team they need to be people that you would quite like to spend eight hours a day with and you get a good vibe from um, because you can train people up but if they've got the personality and the work ethic, which is really important, and you can get that sense from them, then you're winning. You can't train personality, um, but you, you can train everything else that you're doing if they've got the willingness to learn. And I learned that back in the hospitality business, that my best bartenders, cocktail waiters, and assistant managers were people that had no bar experience, right. but they had the right personality, the right confidence, um, and a good work ethic. Right. Don't want to get into two negatives, but are there anything that we should watch out for in that regard? Is there any sort of uh, have you ever sort of looked at someone and got signals that ah this person wouldn't be right for my team? Um, it's a good question. It's so hard to to get a good gauge of somebody in just that yeah. half an hour. You need to spend some time. Um, but I think what you just know when the conversation's not flowing, and I think if you feel that somebody's trying to tell you what you want to hear and not genuinely passionate about the chance of potentially working with you. That for me would be the biggest warning sign that you need a job, but you don't particularly 
you know, this is just a job for you. Yeah, um, that's good. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. Uh, that's right interesting. Now. <laughs> um, what do you think's been the, the sort of key drivers of your success as a founder? Um, this might sound a little cheesy, but I think it's just be a nice person, be nice to people, and be helpful. And I honestly think that people who genuinely want to help others, you genuinely want to solve other people's problems, will do well in the long run, as long as they've got a little bit of business savvy going on. Um, if you're just out to make money, I know there are people out there to make money who do make loads of money, but if you want to, if you want to run your business because you enjoy doing it every day and you want to help people and you're a nice person and treat people well, then I think it all comes it all comes back to you. Does that sound really cheesy? That's all right. Um, no, I think it's lovely. I mean, it's good advice. I mean, yeah, it sounds great. Um, I was just thinking you must have come across people that aren't nice in business and like. Uh, yeah. But you, I guess we have to do. We have to be who we are. That we in. Like, I mean, you talk about when you're trying to hire teams about authenticity of the individual. It sounds like authenticity is quite important to you. Yes, and and with clients as well. You know, when I was at that stage early on, where I'd say yes to every project that came my way, I found myself working with some clients that I really didn't enjoy, yeah. and I didn't like the way that they worked. So we weren't aligned in that in that sense. And when you, for for me, because I left a very stressful, busy job and wanted to do something I was passionate about, that's always been my kind of benchmark. It's like if I stop enjoying this, then I shouldn't be doing it. So I have this. Um, this kind of saying with the team it's like if something comes along and we start to kind of when you kind of groan or wince and go oh I've got to do this then we shouldn't be doing it you know we should be happy and enjoy what we're doing mm. because then we'll keep I'll keep a happy motivated team that are going to grow and actually we we're in a lucky position where we can pick and choose a little bit and so if something comes along and we think actually we don't get the, the right vibe about you then we're not going to work with you or you'll be a better fit with somebody else mm -hmm. so uh, yeah excellent okay um just thinking of this someone starting out with the first time with their own business have you got any sort of general advice or tips that you would give give them um so starting up your own business i think it's the most important lessons i learned were about productivity and delegation so it can become very overwhelming when you're doing everything yourself, especially if you start to get quite busy. So my tips to Kerry from a few years ago and to anyone else starting out is to, to be really organized, to be realistic with your time, to use those tools that are out there to help you manage your lists. You know, not everything is urgent and important. Some things can wait. Um, and to delegate, and that doesn't necessarily mean delegating to a team if you don't have them yet, but maybe using a freelancer or maybe giving you know, a, an accountant more to do so that you spend your time as you get busier doing the things that only you can do. Mm -hmm. um, and I still have to you know, remind myself of that because uh, I do like, there's certain things that I love to do that I know are not the best use of my time, but that right. would be one tip. And another one would be to join networking groups. And networking gets a bit of a bad rap, I think, and people just think of it as people in suits, drinking mm. coffee and talking rubbish. But the local Brighton Chamber and places like Platform, and there's loads of other places in Brighton, actually, it's, it's not a cringy situation. Mm. 
and you do connect with lots of other people who are potential customers and clients. And when you, even if you're more introverted and you don't really like the idea of doing that, I'd recommend that they do because after a while, you can turn up to an event and you'll know people and word of mouth is so important when you're starting out. Um, somebody actually rang me today who met me at a networking event four years ago, mm -hmm. so my customer journey is not always just a year, and said I remembered you from this event and thought you were really nice and you do right, social media. Wow. So I think that it depends what kind of business, but yeah. I think that can really help and it can help with your confidence as well. Because when you're starting out, you can get that imposter syndrome and start thinking, I don't, you know, mm. I don't deserve to be here, what am I doing? And your confidence starts to uh, kind of chip away. Um, but if you're surrounded by other people in business or in an accelerator hub or, or co-working place, it kind of keeps you on track. Yeah, yeah. great. Um, is there anyone that's really helped you in your career or inspired you in, uh, in your career, whether before or starting a business? There is one guy called Tahir. And he was my boss's boss 20 years ago when I was an assistant manager of mm -hmm. a bar chain. And he was the area manager. I was terrified of him. I thought he was really intimidating, but he was, he was very brilliant. And he taught me a lot about kind of business management. And we stayed in touch and he gave me some uh, kind of business coaching and mentoring for the past 18 months and didn't charge me, which was nice. Um, and just somebody that tells you, look, you're, you're doing really well and, and give, makes you reflect on what you've achieved and gives you that confidence and helps somebody to bounce ideas around with because sometimes your friends and family will just tell you what you want to hear and that's lovely and I don't want to discount my husband because he's been very supportive. Um, but to hear would call me out if I had an idea that he thought was, was terrible. Mm -hmm. um, and he's recently invested in the business yeah. as well to help to give us a bit of a bump to, to grow even more. So he's been really key, actually, um, in the last couple of years. Okay. And do you remember a sort of happiest day that you've ever had as an entrepreneur? <laughs> um, there's been quite a few. I mean, I love what I do. One, of, one day that stands out is, was in November last year, um, and our financial year ends in October. And we'd more than doubled our turnover year on year. And I knew, I mean, I knew that anyway, but just to have, you know, the P&L in front of you, like, oh my God, it, you know, that's, that's a lot of growth. And it was when I realized that it was a year before that, that I'd done this kind of visioning exercise when I was um, in the Business Accelerator program. And we were asked to imagine where we want to be in a year's time, what does that look like? And I remember thinking, I'd love to have a small team of expert, lovely people. I'd like us to have a really nice culture of, of sharing knowledge. I'd like us to have a nice little office. Um, and I'd like to be working with bigger clients on kind of chunky projects that really excite us. And I realized that, oh my God, that's actually happened. And I remember when I sat in this room full of lots of other entrepreneurs with my eyes closed, thinking, what a silly exercise. Um, I, you know, I imagined it and I envis envisaged it, but just thought, it probably won't happen though, you know, go back to real life. Mm -hmm. But it just shows that if you know where you want to get to, you don't necessarily need to know how you're going to do it, but it all kind of falls into place if mm -hmm. you can have that vision. And for me, that, that really worked. So that was a really happy day. When I looked at the financial side of things, I was like, that's good. You know, we're secure, we're growing, we're on target. 
and we're on target to double again this year. Um, but it's it's been surrounded by the right people. With we've got our own office space coming up in Platform now, which is good. So we'll still go out and co-work and and network with everybody, but we've all, we'll have our own little space. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I now need to do this for next year and, and think about where we want to get to. Yeah. Then. Yes, you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Revisioning. I'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and just for balance and just to keep it real, what about a bad day? Um, the bad days, I think, are, they used to be when I would lack confidence. And I would, you know, years ago when I hadn't been doing this for that long, I felt like a fraud. I was like, there must be people out here, out there that are much better than me. So I'd really worry about that. That's gone over the years through actually realising that we're really good at what we do and we get great feedback and great results. So the bad days now, are, it tends to be when I take on too much and I forget that you have to say no sometimes and be realistic about when you can do things. So the workload gets too much, the to-do lists become too big and you start to feel a bit stressed. Um, those are the days, and it's, it's all completely within my control, so you know it's all my fault. Um, and then I realise I'm not uh, I'm not getting home switching off, I'm not getting that work-life balance and that was really important to me you know with working for myself so there was a couple of days before Christmas where we were you know we were really trying to tie up all the loose ends so we could just have a couple of weeks off and properly switch off because that's really really important and I was working right up until the last minute and felt, I think I slept for about 15 hours, just worn out. So that it's those days when I don't manage my own workload mm. that I find quite tough now. Yeah. Okay, great. Just to finish off, um, I wondered if you could share some top tips on your, your favourite subject, social media for business. Um, I wanted to throw a few different social media platforms at you. Of and course. If you just give us your like, headline tips on how we can succeed using these. I'll try and keep it headline because I can talk <laughs> for hours about this. Okay. <laughs> what should we be doing with Facebook? With Facebook, so first of all, I think with Facebook, you unfortunately need to have a budget these days. With Facebook, organic reach is very hard, so start paying attention to Facebook advertising. Um, second of all, use, make more videos. Video is the future, it's the way that everything is going, and videos will work well on Facebook. Um, whether you have a budget or not for organic posts and ads yep. um, and I think think quality over quantity with Facebook you know gone are the days when we should be publishing every day got you know god forbid twice a day um, so just keep it to content that you know is engaging is it something that you would like bearing in mind that people have a very different mindset on Facebook than they do on LinkedIn for example mm -hmm. we're often in our downtime and relaxing so don't try and sell on Facebook. Try and give people some value and make it really engaging content in a video. Right, video. <laughs> uh, Instagram? Instagram, uh, use Instagram stories. Again, that's a, there's been a big trend towards more people using stories. Um, and even though marketers don't like the thought of creating content that disappears after 24 hours, you know, you can save those to your stories highlights on Instagram and get really creative. And the same thing as Facebook, really. Don't try and sell. You'll sell by just showing people more about your business, um, the people involved, a bit of behind the scenes. And don't expect sales from Instagram, but expect good brand recognition and engagement for people to know the kind of business that you are. So kind of share the day-to-day the -day and have some fun with it. Okay. Twitter. Twitter. Um, I think on Twitter, you need to 
to be conversational. Don't just publish content. Spend as least as much time, at least the same amount of time, engaging with other people, following conversations. So my big tip for Twitter, really, for people that, that struggle with it a bit or um, aren't really sure how to get the most out of it, is to use something like TweetDeck or Hootsuite has some similar features where you can follow certain users, you can follow certain hashtags, certain keywords, so you can start to find people that are like-minded or in the same sector, things that you kind of feel comfortable and confident talking about, because there you'll get a lot more engagement and it'll make you'll grow your networks quicker than just scheduling tweets to go out. Mm -hmm. um, and never cross-publish from Instagram to Twitter, because yeah. nobody wants to see a link on Twitter, they want to see an image. Yeah. So unless you use an app like um, If This Then That, that's a really good app, um, yeah, don't just kind of push stuff out on Twitter that's not really optimised for that network. Okay. And what about LinkedIn? LinkedIn. Um, I think first of all, optimise your own LinkedIn profile. Don't just think about company pages, because LinkedIn does work really well for individuals. Um, so think about your summary. Don't write it in the third person. Uh, it's not a digital CV anymore. It is a, a social network and people want to get to know you. So write a nice, uh, compelling summary that really gets across who you are. And also think about keywords. Uh, so think about what keywords someone might search if they're looking for your expertise, because that can be really good in growing your business network. I've had one of my most lucrative contracts because somebody searched for a social media consultant in Brighton and my headline and summary were optimised for that. So I know that that works. Um, and also use video, the same as every other network. Video is a reasonably recent feature on LinkedIn, which is kind of surprising, um, but it's a great way to get, uh, to reach more people because social networks will reward you for using more recent features. So video is a great way to reach people on LinkedIn. Um, and share content that people uh, can get some value out of professionally. So things that are going on in your sector, you know, you can really share your expertise in LinkedIn posts, LinkedIn articles as well, a great way to get some high engagement. But think again, like I said, with Facebook, where people are in their downtime and seeing what's going on with their friends and family on the whole, on LinkedIn, it's a very different story and people are keen to learn and connect with other professionals. So use each network in the way that, that other people do, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, very last question. So what is exciting you right now in the world of social media from a business perspective? What excites me with social media is a couple of things. Um, the main thing is the power of Facebook and Instagram advertising. And it's, it's always been there, and Facebook has a bit of a bad rap recently, but the targeting that you can do is outstanding. What a lot of businesses do, which, which is wrong or not making the most of their money, is just to do kind of random ads. I'm going to boost this post, reach new people. Whereas if you look at all the different types of audiences you can create, not just brand new audiences, but audiences who have engaged with you before or visited your website before or watched a particular video for a certain length of time, you know, it can be really specific. It allows you to use the ads platform to map out different types of content to match where people are in your customer journey so that you're not putting a really sales focused advert in front of people that have never heard of you before because that will have a low conversion rate but if you give them something that's value adding or engaging and then further down the line you've created a custom audience so they're, they're aware of who you are and what you do 
that's when your more sales focused ad is going to have better results. So that really excites me, what you can do with Facebook and Instagram ads, because because we do so much more of that now than we used to, we can see the value to businesses and we can see the results. And that's really good for a small business. Um, And the other thing that really excites me is that Instagram is growing so much. And Instagram is a great platform for having two-way conversations, for tagging other people in stories. And it forces businesses to be a bit more transparent, I think. Um, and to not try and sell and to use social media in the way that I think works really well. Um, So I love that Instagram is growing and that stories are growing and that businesses are adapting to that. And you see more brands on Instagram that you never thought would be there, uh, particularly in the B2B sector, actually doing a really good job and showing the people, showing their values. And that's what got me excited about social media in the first place. And it still does now. Excellent. Thank you very much, Carrie. That's been really helpful for us all. Uh, great to have you back at the university, so thanks for coming back. Thank you. How can people keep track of what you're putting out, all the content that you're putting out as a business? Well, we publish a lot of blogs and we record our own podcasts. So we put two podcasts out a month, one of which is always about what's new in social, because that's one of the hardest things for businesses to keep up with. So we put in the legwork and then we record a podcast and a blog about what's going on. So on socialbrighton.com, you can see all of that content. And obviously we're around on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, every social network you can imagine, obviously. Um, But yeah. Great. All right. Thanks, Kerry. Thank you. So that was Kerry's story. To find out more about Social Brighton, go to socialbrighton.com. And the best way to keep track of Be Purple is to go to bepurple.co.uk and sign up for our newsletter. We're also on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook using the account name UOBBPurple. That's B-E-E-P-U-R-P-L-E. Thanks for listening.